Welcome to Mediator Sandwich. With me today is Mark Monster from CrazyMark.com. It's, but who cares, because it's all about William from AllAboutWilliam.com. I'm Scotty Miali, better known as Toten from Toten.com, YouTube.com slash K. This is Media Layer Sandwich. If you like us, please subscribe, rate, all that good things. We also have the video podcast if you're listening to us, so you can go to YouTube, hit subscribe, hit that bell, so you know exactly when we have new episodes, you'll get an email or a smoke signal or something. Today... <laughs> We have an artist with us. Um, oh man, let's go down the list. Um, um, musician. Um, you, you draw. You make like funny little rabbit pictures. Maybe not so funny. Piper, painter, poet, pervert. Uh, however, you know. I love it. Was it three P's there? Uh, well, four, I think. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the more, the merrier. I. I get to the bottom of this water. There's going to be a fifth P. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I hear you. <laughs> okay, so which one would you like to start talking about first? What what have you been doing the longest? I assume the art. Uh, the art being mm-hmm. you know, being a, since I was a little kid, you know, since I could hold a brush, I was always interested in drawing and painting. And uh, I remember being yelled at by teachers uh, for for drawing uh, in class and. One of them saying, well, pens aren't for drawing. Uh, what do you think you're going to do, grow up to be an artist? Yes. <laughs> well, did you have my instructor? Because uh, that's the almost exact same thing. She said, and then she took it and threw it across the room, broke the pen, ripped the paper, and said, get back to doing math. And- yeah, I mean, you know, she was the, the seven-year-old academics version of Nurse Ratchet. Uh, you know, just uh, a demented authoritarian who wanted to squelch all all capacity of expression except for coloring you had to color well within the uh, lines of course and i was terrible i was absolutely terrible at crayons i despise crayons to this day mm-hmm. so I, I i could never color neatly or and rarely within the lines but give me a paintbrush and i was happy uh, or <laughs> even uh, you know how you had those workbooks in reading class when you were a little kid uh uh one of my teachers actually found me in high school. She had saved that workbook all, all along because she liked the drawings. Mm-hmm. Looking through it, there were some weird drawings, but I think I did almost everything in pencil. And she would make comments, uh, nice drawing, uh, color, question mark. And, you know, because I just refused to work with crayons. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad I'm well, not the only one. <laughs> how many artists actually? I, I know there's a few because I've seen some actually use crayons after their elementary school. Oh, you know, some of the great classical. Uh, you know, one of the good products, except they've sort of changed the formula mm-hmm. uh, in the past twenty years, is called Conte crayon. So you guys like Ang, Jacques Louis David, those great neoclassical French uh, painters. You know, Ang could actually, you know without turning to his easel, sit there and start with a Conte crayon and draw you without looking, you know, doing blind contour drawing and have it be accurate. That's something I'll never be able to do. Uh, but, you know, there is a there is a place for proper crayon drawing and technique on textured paper, but it's not in, 
in line, you know, line books for children for me. <laughs> um, I tell you, I've worked with the medians, you know, Conti crayon mm-hmm. and, and passed on. I hear you when you say that the artist could draw you, and usually it's the peripheral vision mm-hmm. that they just keep an eye on the proportions right. while they go after you with the color. Yeah. And there's the interpretive aspect as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and, but you still work with these, medium, um, right? Once in a while, I'll once in a while I'll grab a stick of charcoal or a, a Conti crayon or something and uh, work on some textured paper. Uh, in general, I prefer to paint. Um, okay. Watercolor. Uh, watercolor was my favorite for a long time. I've switched back to oil recently. But to tell the truth, I ignored painting for almost 20 years. Have you tried acrylic paint with high slow? Uh, no, but I, I've never liked acrylic. Um, it, the work that you have to do to get acrylic to look like an oil painting, uh, I might as well just do the oil painting and uh, wait for the wait for the drying. So in other words, what you're figuring on with acrylics that they dry flat. You're looking for a brilliance. And they have a plasticky way about them. Yeah. Um, a lot. Uh, I will say, you know, back in the day, Grumbacher, their reds, uh, their dye-based reds were very good. But uh, the other problem is, you know, and if you've worked in acrylic, you'll know this, uh, you leave your palette uh, if it dries out and you go to work back into your painting, yes. trying to match that color because it's drying lighter or darker depending That's on the color. That's yes. Uh, and it's very easy, for me at least, to end up with mud. There are some people who do acrylic great, more power to them. It's just not for me. It's just one of those things dependent upon brilliance <coughs> and mm-hmm. being able to tote something across the line and travel with, you know, because sure. with an oil painting, right. you're going to find cracking and all sorts of different things happening mm-hmm. with the medium, whereas with acrylic, uh-huh. it's it's more like, oh, oh, my, my, my picture is dirty. I'm going to get a washcloth and just wipe it down. Pretty you know? much. And all of a sudden it's clean, whereas with an oil paint, it's like... Well, no way. That's yeah. sacrilege if you take a yeah. wet cloth. To... Now, you mentioned you had a teacher that you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of our questions that we put off to the side, and I, I really want to ask it right now, is when do you think, you know, this was obviously not a favorite teacher of yours? She wasn't a favorite. She wasn't my least favorite by any means, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, she wasn't. I was a second grader, so... Yeah, when you hear that voice, what is she saying to you? And if she was here today, what would you say to her? Uh, Go away. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. She, I have to say, she wasn't a bad reading teacher. Um, She, uh, you know, she did have some positive aspects, but on her moodiest days, any... Uh, I think everyone has that instructor. Like, one now one of my favorite instructors looking back, mm-hmm. um, although I thought they were just out of touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first classes, this person, um, he was like, now if you have a voice that's kind of high and whiny, oh, kind of like Scott's, you'll never oh. be on radio. Oh. Um, well, at that point, I already was on a radio station, <laughs> and here I am doing podcasting that hopefully at you know, someone's listening to, obviously, um, or else I'm just talking to a microphone, which is still fun. Um, you know, it made me laugh. It's like, I don't think that you are on the right side of what you're teaching. <laughs> I, I <laughs> but think he of... helped push me, though. It was it was a very interesting push, and he was much better of a, and he still teach this subject till today. I, I, I don't know what else he teaches, but rhetoric. And the okay. way he went about things, and... That stuck with me so much, you know, mm-hmm. not so much, 
uh, oh, you can't do this because he sounded like that, but you know all the little rhetorical things how people look at everything mm-hmm. which is very big in today's society how is this gonna offend me today right you know and uh you know i almost wish that you know if if we can uh diverge to social media or divert to social media for a second mm-hmm. i almost wish people hadn't learned the terms logical fallacies uh mm-hmm. the way they bandy them about and everybody's trying to be, you know, critical thinking 101 and still letting emotional <laughs> arguments get in the way. be guilty of using the same words. He really right. pissed me off and I'm going to accuse him of an ad hominem attack and a slippery slope fallacy and a no true Scotsman. And it's like, just please make your point or go away. And uh, but back to the teachers, I think... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a lot of people, a lot of kids who are creative, uh, and I think a little disregard for authority goes with uh, creativity, um, or those kids that may be slightly gifted and they realize the busy work and pencil pushing of a lot of people's teaching methods isn't for them, and they live a life of hell because of it. Uh, you know, it, it's not just I didn't do the homework, but it's uh, why are you giving us 15 dittos instead of standing here lecturing and teaching us? Um, you know, a history teacher who handed out nothing but ditto papers and sat there with a box of Twinkies on the desk and a Coke and a newspaper and just wanted us to be quiet while he read. Um, him I'd like to really smack about and, you know, sit him down, tie him up, and force him to listen to my long-winded lectures on historical events. <laughs> but um, but uh, back to the painting initially. Yes. Uh, I had said I had ignored it for almost 20 years. Uh, uh, I graduated college in 94, late 94. And uh, for almost 20 years, I did almost nothing but uh, silversmithing and uh, jewelry making. Um, I ignored painting because I thought, well, that the time that I would take on painting uh, is time that I could be devoting to making some money off of a piece of jewelry. And then when the economy crashed and silver skyrocketed, uh, well, there went my jewelry business. <laughs> and uh, uh, when the when we got those two harsh winters in uh, fourteen and fifteen nights that I wasn't going out to have a pint. I thought, well, you know, I'm bored. Why don't I, why don't I pull out the watercolors? It's been a while, and it the first few were absolutely atrocious. Uh, it's like I had forgotten how to draw, how how to paint the whole stuff, and I really start beating myself. But watercolors <laughs> are a happy accident, don't you know? They they can be, and unfortunately, uh, this is where I pissed off a lot of my uh, painting instructors. Yeah. I, I was more of an academic and illustration style. Okay. And, you know, instead of the uh, happy accident and be loose and free and expressive and have a, have a manifesto with your painting to explain it to everybody... Um, I was too tight. So you want to be like Andrew Wyeth and Norman Rockwell then? Um, Andrew Wyeth or N.C. Wyeth even better, uh, Andrew's dad. Um, I do like Andrew's Helga paintings a lot, but I love N.C. Wyeth. Uh, Right on. He did the illustrations, uh, the Golden Age illustrations for uh, uh, Treasure Island. Um, 
you know, when, when you're looking up pirate works and you see those great paintings, those are probably NC Wyeth. Wow. Um, a lot know. of great use of shadow and chroma there. Wonderful stuff. Okay, so how did you get on rabbits? <laughs> I find that, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it might have been because as I was a little kid, uh, even though I, when I was a little kid, my drawings were very macabre. They were all monsters and skeletons and uh, uh, things that would probably have me seeing a counselor. Wait or... a minute. Is there anything else? Because that's all I seem to draw. Yeah. Macabre sure. I, and, uh, I, I just figured you saw Watership Down and it scarred you for life. No, I, I saw part of it when I was a kid and I didn't really like the... I didn't really like the movie too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were rabbits in my life long before that. But rabbits were fairly easy to draw, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was... Because not everybody gets a good look at a rabbit since they're usually going by in a zip through the garden. Um, you know, a rabbit was fairly easy to draw. Um, I wasn't even thinking of Bugs Bunny or things like that. Mark, you're, you're talking about rabbits here, but I also noticed I'm looking through some of your artwork, and I mm-hmm. noticed cats also. What about cats? Um, even though I'm allergic to them, and... Uh, cats rule. I, I'm, I'm not the biggest cat fan because of my allergies. Yeah. Cats love me. Yeah. And uh, people will sometimes hire me to paint their cat. Or uh, and you know I find them beautiful animals. I don't. I think uh, as the jewelry went on, um, you see you see rabbits sometimes as a motif in the Celtic art mm-hmm. and uh, and Asian art, uh, Japanese and Chinese uh, painting and metal. So I since those were influencing me, I started to incorporate it into my work. And once again, they were fairly easy to draw, but people just started associating me with rabbits. And uh, and now, you know, back to the social media thing. You have an interest. Everything that you've already seen, every friend of yours who knows you have that interest, when it comes up mm-hmm. in their feed, <laughs> oh, I've immediately got to send this to Toten. So everything with a bagpipe or a mm-hmm. rabbit that comes along. Uh, no matter how old it is. How old it is, uh, you know, I've seen it. But, oh, gee, got to click like. I, I <laughs> love following your Facebook because you're like, hey, okay, so this is now sent to me seven times, <laughs> so I guess I have to address this. <laughs> well, and I'll send you the one meme that I made, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what my brother thinks I haven't seen, what 63 people haven't think I haven't seen, and <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the... Uh, the bad piper with the flames coming out of his, right. and the idiot on the unicycle and you know then the bunny in the kilt called hopscotch and you know and the final picture is me with my head shaved looking rather angry with a cigarette saying seen it <laughs> <laughs> okay so you brought up bagpipes mm-hmm. when did you start bagpiping uh, I started the pipes in June of 1988 and previous to that I had been playing uh, well when I was nine or ten, I started with brass instruments in okay. elementary school. Um, when I was about fifteen or sixteen, I uh, picked up a, a tin whistle at a Highland Games, a little mm-hmm. little Irish uh, flute, and uh, that was the best four dollars I've ever spent in my life. Um, and when I when I wanted to start learning pipes, I didn't know that there was a difference between the Scottish pipes and the Irish pipes, and uh, so I ordered a practice chanter thinking I'd be able to play both types of music. Practice Chanter came, and it didn't sound like either one. And uh, it's a lower pitch. Okay. And uh, I lucked out uh, the 
a couple months after, it turned out a buddy of mine in high school was taking lessons from a guy in Wyandotte. And I started with him, uh, joined the pipe band, started doing gigs, and, uh, you know, uh, that guy was like a second father to me in a lot of ways. Um, but, yeah, that was, uh, for good or for bad, that, that was an instrument that changed my life. <laughs> you know. And you still pipe, and you still... Mm-hmm. So, you know, how has it changed your life? Like, well, why the pipes? I know when I was in high school, people wanted to learn them because of corn, Jonathan Davis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, for both of you, I'll tell you, though, back when I was in school, uh, people wanted to learn the bagpipes because of the band Nazareth. Nazareth and probably ACDC. You know, because if yeah. because if you listen to that song, Hair of the Dog, when you mm-hmm. get that weird song, that, that weird sound in the middle mm-hmm. of the song, at the end of the song, that that's a bagpipe going through a distortion pedal. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, or they just want to play the Michigan fight song, which, mm. by the way, I think I've heard way too many times. Well, uh, if you've heard me in the Oak on St. Patrick's Day, I have to play it, but it's a money shot. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right. I. And, yeah, uh, but you playing that and then playing other things is better than right. uh, another bar I went to on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, catch the audience up. Mark will play at... On many bars on St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day, you actually do like a tour of like five or six bars uh, or so. Yeah, I've cut it down a fair bit. Okay. I, I'm getting too old to, to do a, a heavy, heavy day. So uh, mm-hmm. I usually go from about noon till about 8.30, and that's plenty enough for me anymore. There was uh, one uh, St. Patrick's Day, before I, I met you, before mm-hmm. I've seen you play, uh, I was actually doing a ton of homework. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, cool, I have time for like one drink. Mm-hmm. So I go to, a, you know, just walk to the closest bar to me, and a guy came with bagpipes. I actually walked into the bar. They were playing a bunch of rap music. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, I'd rather hear Flogging Molly's or something. Sure. So I turn around, I start walking out, see a guy with bagpipes walk in, follow him back in. And then he played the Michigan Fight song and some funeral songs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm wondering if I should have turned around and back, walked back out, but... <laughs> well, you have to... It's close. <laughs> you have to keep the crowd happy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants Amazing Grace. Everybody <laughs> wants, you know, the Scottish song, uh, Scotland the Brave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I used to uh, busk at the Wyandotte Street Fair, somebody would come up to me like they were in the know, and I'll ask him a real bagpipe tune. Can you play Amazing Grace? Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, uh, it's... Pipers weren't even playing that until about 1971. <laughs> okay. uh, the Royal Scots Dragoon mm-hmm. Guards did... Uh, uh, their pipe major actually transcribed it from some folk singer, lady folk singer of the late 60s, uh, completely muffed the melody instead of the more churchy version. Yeah. But it became a number one hit uh, on pop radio, actually. And so ever after, you had to play that at every funeral, every gig. Uh, I used to give a $10 discount if people requested that I not play Amazing, <laughs> Amazing Grace at a funeral. And, uh, but, you know, it's... Uh, when, you know, anything you deal with uh, in popular media, somebody like me who doesn't know anything about, like I was saying, I don't really know about comic books or gaming or things like that, I'm probably going to ask you the most readily accessible information to my mind, which is probably something you've rehashed a hundred times and you're sick of even dealing with the topic. Uh, it, it's like that for almost anything that you know you dive specifically into. Um, you know, uh, uh, 
people find out I'm a jeweler. Oh, uh, can you appraise this diamond? Well, uh, not that kind of jeweler. I'm not that kind of jeweler. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, people uh, find out I'm a painter. Oh, you must really like Bob Ross. <laughs> <laughs> right, and you know, while I appreciate him, he's, well, Mark, he's I got a serious question here mm-hmm. for you. For all the bagpipe aficionados mm-hmm. out there, how do you take care of an instrument like that? What kind of care and maintenance goes it, into that? It's a it's a trial, and luckily, and this is something great of the internet. There, uh, since the early two thousands, there's been a real golden age of piping. Um, the kids are better than they ever were. All right. But the products that have come out uh, were back when I started. And I don't mean to sound like you know, a crusty old guy. But you know, we were all still playing leather bags uh, right. and cane reeds. And while they do have a great sound, they, any fluctuation in humidity or temperature and your pipes go out of tune or they stop working altogether. Okay. Um, early 90s, uh, the synthetic reeds started coming out and synthetic bags so your bag wasn't getting funky uh getting you know some pipe bands they used to have sort of chuckling competitions over who could have the grossest smelling (laughs) set of pipes right on and uh uh you know as these synthetics came out uh the sound was good you were able to maintain more at a gig uh, without having to, you know, dry your pipes out and, you know, the horrible maintenance level before. And kids practice more. Uh, Fantastic. But, you know, the general care of it is, uh, you know, you you make sure every fitting is tight. Anywhere there's okay. air leaking out, there's a problem coming. Okay. Uh, you make sure your reeds are tight in there so they don't drop down into the bag, middle Good. of the gig. Not like that's ever happened, but... <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, the it, video version is always different than the audio version. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's a, it is a fairly complex instrument to maintain because there are a lot of parts that go into it that are at the mercies of temperature and humidity. So, uh, but once again, with the synthetics, life has become a lot easier, and uh, you know, I can go to a gig walk in from outside and be pretty well assured that my pipes are going to be in tune. That's excellent. This is great information. These are things I've never known. When I, I see bagpipes, I think, oh, yeah, this is a, a bag and pipes, and yeah. really, what else is there? But well, this lo- is a lot of people think it's like a flute, and yeah. uh, it's more like an oboe and three clarinets. Uh, you know, the, Every tube you see coming off there, uh, there's a reed in there, okay. which wants to misbehave as soon as it humanly possibly can. Uh, and if you don't beat it into submission, uh, it's, you know, you may have a bad day of it. It's like the Bugs Bunny cartoon. It's like, it's bagpipe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I beat it down, beat it down, beat it down. And now you also make bagpipes mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, that was an act of poverty, actually. Uh, there was a guy in my in my pipe band who had a set of what are called Scottish small pipes uh, back early '90s, and he he paid a thousand dollars for them back then, and he wouldn't let me play them because I wasn't up to his level of piping. And I Ooh, thought, snitty. right, right. <laughs> I thought I'll show you, you bastard. And <laughs> I went and I I had a friend. Uh, 
make a few pieces of wood that pipes could plug into. I had the local bootmaker sew down an old bag, and I got uh, brass telescoping tubing. And I constructed my first set of drones out of that and used my practice chanter. Mm-hmm. And I brought it to uh, pipe band practice uh, the next week and was playing. He's like, you sick <laughs> But he did call me a genius. But, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. And unfortunately, another guy in the, uh, in the band uh, down closer to Ohio, he mentioned it to somebody at a Highland Games what I had done. And pretty soon, this company called Bagpipes Galore is selling these little sets with telescoping tubing. They stole my idea, but nothing I could do. Right. Uh, it's not copyright, and so right. it's not like... Yeah. But you know. eventually, uh, eventually, I decided I really wanted to you know, make some sort of instruments for myself, and uh, once again, not being able to afford them. I bought a lathe and you know taught myself that aspect of woodworking. I could already do metalworking, so you know the the metal bits on pipes weren't going to mm-hmm. be a problem. And uh, uh, another man I know who makes pipes professionally, because um, you know, still I consider myself a hobbyist, uh, who makes them professionally, said in his statement on his uh, webpage, "I couldn't afford a set of pipes, small pipes, so I thought I would make a set myself." Had I known what I know now, I would have gotten a job at McDonald's for three months. <laughs> <laughs> Saved up the money and got to, got to set of somebody else's pipes. <laughs> it sounds like a world label, but label, yeah, labor of love trying to create those kind of things and a, a path to insanity. Um, <laughs> and a path to insanity. You're talking about being Double a jeweler. You're talking about you know making money doing music, and I know you sell some of your art. Mm-hmm. Um, now I actually don't know the answer to this. Uh, do you have a day job? If you do, you don't have to tell no, us what I, it is. I don't have a regular day job. Okay. Uh, so we had mentioned Gen X nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that you know, open the dictionary and you'll see my picture on that. But. Uh, Right, um, and, and although he doesn't look at, like, none of the Gen Xers really look at, except for Mark Monster over here, but uh, everyone I talk to from, like, Wyandotte Downriver area that knows you, like, oh, yeah, I met him at a punk show. Man, I kept running into him at punk bars. Yeah. And uh, that's how I met you, too. What? City Club. <laughs> yeah, City Club. City uh, Club. Rockery. Uh, a lot of people would know me from Riverview Denny's back in the day. Yes, that's... Uh, Riverview uh, Denny's. Or what people yep. call Dang. punk rock Denny's. Punk rock Denny's, right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was, that was social interaction interaction before Facebook. You went mm-hmm. there to have your conversations. And uh yeah, I think ours was the uh the Lincoln Park uh, Coney Island. I was uh, okay. the one on Dicks. Okay. And then uh um bef- and there was uh also the the Kings, Kings I want to say was another hmm. one that was all night uh on Dicks and Eureka. Okay. That was also... Oh, it eventually became Arthur's. Arthur's! That's what I'm thinking, Arthur's. And uh, I can't remember what the current name is now. I don't know. We're not advertising for them by by saying the old name. (laughs) But but yeah, that and also uh, with the whole metalsmithing thing, I would sit there, you know, with a carafe of tea, sitting there like this all night. I think that's how I got my hair part. Sitting there like <laughs> this all night with a sketchbook and a carafe of tea and probably having at least half a pack of smokes. Uh, and people would come up and say, what are you drawing? Uh, you know, I make jewelry or, 
uh, oh, can you draw me a tattoo? Okay. <laughs> but, uh, uh, cause I had done some flash work for tattoos way back when. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, if they like, cause it wasn't what you were going to see at Trenton Jewelers or service merchandise, you know, it, uh, oh, that's an old name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody uh, for green stamps? No. Uh, <laughs> anyway. You know, Helsberg Diamonds. Or, you know, the, <laughs> it, I was willing to do stuff that other people wouldn't. Uh, the Thor's hammer that you wear. Um, you know, I back in the City Club days, oh. I, I made a number of those. And this thing right here is from uh, Spain, España, Galicia. Yeah. Thanks, Pia. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Galicia has a great silversmithing uh, tradition. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I used to make, there was that, at the same time, there was that Celtic Renaissance during the 90s, which piping benefited from. Then there was that Viking Renaissance and, you know, uh, the the re resurrected interest in it. Speaking of which, there's that one illustration that that Mark had uh, created uh, that you really fell in love with there. Yeah, and I always call it Bunny Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's called... Uh, Bunthulu. Bunthulu. Yeah, uh... Oh, I call it uh, Cthulhu Bunny. Is what I was calling okay. it. Yeah, Bunthulu. Uh, that that one was a lot of fun, and that's actually been one of my most successful, you know, prints. Uh, it, you know, if I have a print of that at an mm -hmm. art show, it's it's almost guaranteed to sell. But uh, I liked the idea of, uh, oh, you know, again, like, the video version is different than audio. We will put uh, on the video. We will show some of these. Okay. Um, and Mark, don't. Uh, well, I'm thinking of it. What's your Facebook page where they could see some of this uh, art? The Mark Arts, uh, M A R C, uh, kind of like the dark arts. I'm a bit mm -hmm. of a Potter nerd too, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I thought the Mark Arts was a good name. Um, but I like the macabre, but I don't, I don't want to smack people in the face with it. So I like putting a little bit of cute, uh, and then the macabre sneaks up. Right. Uh, one woman uh, bought a Bonthulu print. She had it hanging in her bedroom. And her grandmother came in, 70-something. And she said, oh, what a cute bunny. What the? <laughs> 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 she still liked the painting because she had, uh, as a youth, read H.P. Lovecraft. And mm -hmm. so she was familiar with it. You know, points to her for picking up the reference. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't want to be blood and gore uh i want the creep factor to sink in a little later <laughs> and uh there was one i did of uh it looks like a very cute baby in a garden and he's all smiling and happy and when you look closely at his hands he's got a little fairy in his hands and he's ripping the wings off of it <laughs> and there are other fairies you know uh scattered around hiding from him or looking on in horror at the Faye atrocity that goes on in front of him. Are you familiar with Tom Smith? Um, no. He local folk-ish musician. I uh, I see him in concerts at many of the local cons. Mm. I just saw him at uh, at a continuum and playing uh, a song that I hear him play several times, which is all about smashing little fairies. Well. And it's a very nice upbeat, uh, <laughs> happy song about. Um, about killing fairies. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, probably influenced uh, uh, Terry Jones from Monty Python. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to me, one of their best writers. Uh, he and Brian Froud, who designed uh, a lot of the creatures for Labyrinth, 
uh, they did a book together called uh, Lady Coddington's Book of Pressed Fairies. <laughs> and it's sort of along the lines of an illustrated diary of right a country gentried woman in England. And she goes up in her in her garden and finds fairies, you know, by a flower and <laughs> smacks them. And, you know, according... And they leave an imprint on the page, but... <laughs> We later find out that the fairies thought this was a game because they could disappear, but they'd leave, uh, you know. And Froud, uh, Froud's illustrations, he takes a lot from one of the same artists that I really love, uh, Arthur Rackham, um, 1890s. Did the original uh, Peter Pan and Kensington Gardens illustrations. Uh, you know, when you see Peter Pan referenced on a webpage, almost, almost certainly, if it's not the Disney drawing it's going to be an arthur rackham drawing mm -hmm. uh or painting and uh you know so the greats all steal from similar sources um yeah we all have our influences you sp you still uh um spend a lot of nights hanging out at the at the rockery uh, or yes uh unfortunately i i spend way too much time and my liver doesn't like me for it but uh mm -hmm. uh in uh I have to say the Downriver Lullaby was written there. <laughs> it, uh, I can understand why. Um, and uh, oh, man. You know, anywhere that, that place has seen that place has seen more owners. I mean, the um, the, the, the the staff runs that place. And uh, <laughs> well, while we're on the subject, I don't know when this is airing, but uh, today I formed a GoFundMe because the current owners are trying to sell the place again. Okay. To a man who would see it ripped down and turned into more parking lot, and wow. uh, the the managers uh, Justin and Ian, uh, they want to buy the place, and so I've started a GoFundMe. Uh, it's called Help Save the Rockery. They should own that place. They, they really ran should. that place and longer than any. They've been there longer than any owner has been. Right, and uh, you know it's become like it or not. You know, whatever people say of Downriver, there is a lot of talent here, musically, artistically. And you couldn't do this at most sports bars or the places that you see the cops to call to all the time. I think I've seen, in all the time I've spent at the Rockery, the cops come in or show up there maybe three times. Now, you look across the street to the places who will go unnamed, Mm -hmm. Any night, especially during the summer, you see a fight being broken up. It doesn't happen at the Rockery. And, you know, it's formed... And the Rockery is a punk... <laughs> it is. It's a punk venue versus these other ones, which are mostly, Your you know, upstanding citizens. Oh, yeah. And yeah you're, you're good sports fan mm -hmm. peoples. But, uh, you know, in the time that it's been going on, you know, there have been bands from, like, Germany, Ireland, mm -hmm. Brazil, Japan. My band. Yeah, my band played there. No, yeah. actually, the insides, the acoustics are fantastic it's, because of the wood all the way around. Right. So, it, it's and, one of those places where I don't even know who's playing. And, you know, before I had to get up at the crack of dawn, you right. know, uh, I'd be there all the time. And sure. just, I didn't even know who was playing that night. I'd just show right. Like, I guess right. I'll check these people out. Right. Um, and it could be a heavy punk band or it could be a punk country-ish band. Uh, you know? Yeah, like a uh, folk punk, uh, mm -hmm. you know, bands like uh, what was uh, Rickett Pass or, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of the bluegrassy punk. Uh, right. And you'd have straight rock bands. You'd have metal bands, prog, jazz. Uh, mm -hmm. Hell, I've played in there a bunch of times. Um, you know, open mics and it's it's 
an avenue for a lot of people who don't feel like going up to Hamtramck or something to to see a show. And for a lot of uh, local young kids, it might be their first show. In the same way, uh, you know, Justin and I started doing, had the idea to do the art shows maybe oh, three, maybe four years ago, but I think three years ago. And, uh, you know, we built display boards. We we hung them up ourselves. Uh, I made these terribly heavy display boards <laughs> that were a real pain to move. But, um, you know, and here, a great aspect of social media, you could say, hey, we're having an art show. And some of the, you know, people who sold or who showed there, it might be the first time anybody's seen their work. And some of them have, you know, gotten enough confidence from that and enough exposure and practice that they're starting to make inroads into Detroit's art scene. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what bar do you know of that is having art shows on a regular basis? Uh, so, you know, if I can plug the GoFundMe, if this is on absolutely. time, absolutely, yes, um, you know, absolutely. Look up "Help Save the Rockery" on GoFundMe. Now, the goal is ten thousand. Uh, that's going to get the down payment paid. Mm-hmm. If we could get two thousand people, how much do you pay for a craft beer, a pint? How much? I think it's like what five, six bucks. Okay, so if we could get two thousand people to pledge five bucks. You know, everybody drinks on their credit card these days. It's not mm-hmm. that hard to, you know, buy the rockery a pint, as it were. 2,000 people doing that would have uh, 10,000 easy. You know, it's, I don't know. I want to see the place continue. Um, it's sort of the island of misfit toys in some place, in some <laughs> ways, which is a great thing. Because where, where are those, you know, where would you and I have met outside of the rockery? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's generally... You hear every once in a while I'll see uh, newspaper comments. Uh, you know, if somebody was stumbling from one of the other bars and happened to fall in front of the rockery and crack their head, it ends up in the paper. And I hear, you know, the upstanding citizens or read their comments saying, oh, that place is sketchy. All right, 12, 15 years ago when it was a biker Coke bar, yeah, it was sketchy. But now it's actually one of the <laughs> one of the safer places for anyone to walk into. Well, we have one more question, Uh-oh. and this it comes from questions from a hat, uh, okay. and we want other people to contribute. If you okay. if you give us a question that we put in here, we'll put your name in it, so we'll totally give you a shout out. Whether you put in your Facebook page or Twitter, or just say hey, whatever you know, YouTube, whatever you want to shout out. If we put it in here and it's use, we will shout you out. Uh, so we always give a shout out to Carl Marshner because he contributed a few questions, and we forgot to do that with Uh-oh. him. <laughs> So go ahead and pick a question. Well, he hasn't gotten to do much. Let him pick the yeah, question. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and read it. Yeah, let me read it first. Let me make sure. Nah. Here he <laughs> answered that one. Answer. Here he answered that one. Yeah. <laughs> you keep going. If you could be any animal, what would you? No. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's a good one. Because right. it's a, it's an, you know, because he's he's anti Bob Ross a little bit. So <laughs> Not that's anti, a, that's a but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what mistake did you learn the most from? The happiest accident. <laughs> oh boy. Um, 
it may take me a second because I've made a lot of mistakes. Uh, mm-hmm. Hmm. No, I shouldn't do that. Oh, just keep, let me think for a second and just sing the most pressure sounding song. <laughs> Maybe I'm bad that I don't learn a lot from my mistakes. Uh, well, you've mentioned that you prefer structure over. Yeah, you know, um, over oh yeah, the whole happy mistakes things, Bob Ross. That's why. Well, you know. yeah. Uh, but you had to stumble on some things, even with your first bagpipes. You talk about how you stumbled upon. Oh, uh, the one mistake is uh, make sure make sure your wood is chucked in tight to your lathe before you turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, make sure it make sure it's well centered because it tends to tends to vibrate itself. Well, um, and all your art, including jewelry and all this stuff, I'm sure there's been something where you did. Huh, I didn't mean to do that, but that came out well. Yeah. And then you kind of... Uh, you know, things like that, though, if I if I had to go into the minutiae to describe it properly, it's going to bore your audience to death. <laughs> uh, you know, mistaken alloys that I found out when I was uh, brazing them, you know, and just sweeping up scraps of metal from around the shop. Wait, 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 did you hear that? Somebody just turned the station and listened to us. They heard mistaken alloys, and now they're listening with all attentive ears. Keep going. Uh, wait, and the- people listen to <laughs> things other than video on demand? Huh. <laughs> But, you know, uh, casting just these uh, jungle juice piles of metal that Mm -hmm. I found out when I was brazing it, uh, the silver might rise to the top uh, from the heating. And after I polish it, wow, that's like a weird silver plating. Um, You know, uh, learning not to, uh, and this is a tip, you know, if you're a watercolorist or, uh, you know, working on watercolor paper, don't, don't erase um, you know, put your sketch in there and try not to erase because when you do, even if you've got a kneaded art gum eraser or the best vinyl eraser, it's going to uh, rough up the surface of the paper in a way that uh, it's not going to accept pigment properly. Um, masking fluids, although they're really, really valuable, uh, when you take the masking fluid, it changes the texture of the paper. That is a mistake I've learned a lot from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just and have you ever played with uh, the different textures from from after erasing though? Uh, sometimes, uh, a couple times I I used it purposely, mm-hmm. um, you know, scuffing up. But usually I like my surface to be kind of pristine. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of times, what I'll end up doing is I'll do all the sweat work of the of the basic drawing uh, on a same uh, on a sheet the same size that I intend the finished piece to be. And I'll lay down my sketch with all the erasure marks, and then I'll uh, transfer it in carbon, carbon pencil or carbon paper, mm-hmm. and that way I've got a nice clean surface to start with. My images there. Uh, I even do that on my oil paintings now, um, because I don't paint on canvas anymore. I paint on uh, on board because I like the smoother, uh, smoother aspect. Uh, hey Mark, I want to give a quick shout out to. All the uh, freshmen in uh, Mac at Macomb, uh, Macomb Community College. I just love how you grind away at your paper with your eraser when you're drawing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for God's sake, don't when you're drawing in graphite, don't smudge and blend. It, <laughs> it just makes it obliterates all value and makes your drawing look greasy. Uh, you'll never get a you'll never get a solid black, and you can't erase to get back to a solid white. Uh, <laughs> it uh, it's you know it, I know that was very popular when I was in like high school, 
every um, tortured artiste kid would sit there gently massaging the graphite around and <laughs> it's like no no bad <laughs> yeah yeah all you kids out there in previs listen to mark here he knows where it's at i don't know but more more artists i talk to it's just there's no right way wrong way uh you know some of my favorite podcasters say it all the time wait we're doing something else wrong sweet because yeah. that's what we do yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one of the things i really enjoy about working with a wood lathe mm -hmm. uh i do some other woodwork I don't really like doing woodwork, but, uh, you know, like cabinetry and things like that. Uh, but with the lathe, uh, even on the TV shows and instructionals, most of them will admit, however you do it is how you do it. How you get your product, you know, as long as it comes out looking good, uh, how you want to hold the chisel, all that. No left or right-handed way necessarily because um, I'm left-handed and a lot of tools are <laughs> difficult because of it. But, uh, yeah, lathe work a lot of times uh, is, you know, very much you approach it your way. And I do like that, mm -hmm. um, you know, even though I like a lot of structure. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Oh. It's time for Mark to get all silly, so he's yeah. going to play with the lathe, <laughs> and, which is not usually the time it's to be silly, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Was it? it brings a whole new meaning to do not operate heavy machinery or any machinery whatsoever on liquor. Yeah, you know, you're you're very right there. I uh, even though I can be rather lush at times, I never approach a uh, I never approach any power tool or torch or kiln. You know, when I, when I've had even a bit, because. Even though my last words probably will be, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> At least you'll be sober when you do uh, that. Unlike many people we know, it'll be, hold my beer. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would prefer that they not be anytime soon. So, you know, get, getting liquored up and going to work with power tools, not a good idea. <laughs> Mark, I just want to thank you again well, thank for coming you. on the show. Thank you. I'll go ahead and plug... Um, website facebook wherever um, people can find you pretty much right now i've only got the uh mark arts page and as mm -hmm. i say look up m-a-r-c uh and don't send me that god-awful meme with the kark on the on the starbucks cup but uh <laughs> i've seen it but uh um yeah for right now i've only got the mark arts page okay. and facebook. you post stuff on there about your art shows mm -hmm. and, and about the rockery right right um and uh you know, it's a, you know, that's a good idea. I should post the uh, the GoFundMe thing on the Mark Arts Absolutely. Page. Don't worry. This podcast will come out in about a month, yeah. so it will be there by then. Yeah, and, that, and then again, uh, Facebook hides everything that you put on your own page. <laughs> so Right. It, uh... And with us is Mark Monster from CrazyMark.com. As much as we love having Mark here, may I use your last name, Blur? Uh, oh. Blur is my social media name. Real last name is Bursa. Okay. Uh, so uh, I only know you as Mark Blur. Most people do. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's a sweet name, though. <laughs> that's fine. Even it. though we really love having you here, oh, it's all about William. From always, yes. always, always about William.com. Is it always about William.com? I thought it was just all about William.com. It is all about William.com. Okay. Right. okay. And, of course, I'm this was <laughs> Media Litter Sandwich, and you can find all our episodes at MediaLitterSandwich.com, both audio and video there. Uh, if you do want to check out the video, you can find that at YouTube.com slash K or my website, Toadin.com. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. 
Hope you enjoyed our conversation. May the algorithms, algorithms be in your be favor. favor. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much.